Hello, Michael. How are you doing? And welcome to this, the first uh, Formula One view of 2021. How did you get the Christmas? Oh, the Christmas was great. You know yourself. Just relaxing, really. I, I, I don't think, to be honest with you, I don't think this sort of stay away from everybody in in, in with, with COVID happening at, at Christmas. For me, anyhow, doesn't make that much of a difference because we just stay at home with the kids all the time. You know yourself, you don't go anywhere for about two or three days and there's see no one. Well, that that's that's the Wex 40 in any, you know. Oh, that's true. We're all very, you know, we're cavemen down here. We all hide. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been, a, a lot has been happening since... Um, since we last spoke a few weeks ago, uh, so uh, what, what's going on in the Formula One world? Well, I suppose in the Formula One world, it's all it's all who does what and who does where and who does how. It never stops. I mean, I mean, there was even there was even I think uh, things going around on Christmas Day, believe it or not. So I suppose when you're when you're looking at contracts in tens of millions um, for drivers and and I mean even engineers and people like that, my God, you, you'd love their wage for a year, you'd retire <laughs> and things like that, advertising and stuff. I suppose it never stops, really, does it? With with things like that in businesses and football's the same and you know anything with that sort of money behind it and uh, you know. I suppose Formula One isn't the same. A couple of things that we all did spot this year, of course, Sergio Perez has no drive for 2021, um, which is really unusual. Uh, Perez actually has now got the world record (laughs) for most Grand Prix starts before his first victory. He won on his 190th attempt, which I still think is is good to show in progression. Well, at, uh, least, at least he had experience behind him. You see, well, exactly. But on the other hand, uh, you, you know, what's the quickest person? Who's the quickest to to get their first victory after after how many races? Oh well, that that, that of course would be Schumacher. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> that man kind follow, of follow that closely by yourself, Paul Egan. Oh, Paul Egan, that was very quick in fairness. You know, his his first uh, yeah. his first half of a race. <coughs> he won on the first half of a race, as they say. <laughs> well, I, I hear your demon's all right on the scale electric, all right. Oh, gee, oh, you want to see him. Oh, my God, he knows exactly <laughs> when to slow down. Oh, I'm not joking you. <laughs> Although he does pick the car up off the ground and put it back quite a lot. But we won't go there. He gets excited. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, I mean, uh, actually, uh, just out of curiosity, the other man who ha- who used to hold a record was Mark Webber. I'm sure he's delighted someone broke his record. But, I mean, you know, when you think about it, he, he he won this year, Perez. I mean, he got his first Formula One win. And there are a lot more drivers than you think who never win a race. So, I mean, it, it is a bit of achievement. So, you think someone would go, oh, well, look, he's getting somewhere, lads. Let's let's give him a shot for the year. But, you know, I suppose Sergio is the youngest man in the world. And, you know, age has a lot to do with these things, reaction times and stuff like that. There's very few Schumachers out there. I mean, when he came back that time for Mercedes, yeah, he didn't do outstanding but I mean Mercedes were back for the first time in a very long time their car wasn't up to it nothing really was was standard at all he came in really just to bring the team up to sort of championship levels which he obviously achieved uh, because he said he'd given three years retired after three years and the following year to one um, so it's a pity he didn't give him four. Uh, but look, there you go. He's the man to do that sort of thing, and that's all he wanted to do. He didn't want to, 
he knew he wasn't going to be a world champion with those three years. But, you know, he's some driver. Just, there's, there's very few of them around, really, when you think about it, you know. But I suppose, look, 198th attempt, poor Sergio Perez. I'm hoping he'll get something, you know, because he's been replaced by Sebastian Vettel. And I reckon if Sebastian Vettel hadn't have been available, um, Sergio would have been still there, uh, which would have been great, you know. So, but look, when you get somebody like Sebastian Vettel knocking around, yeah, he hasn't done well with Ferrari, but let's face it, <laughs> Ferrari have a long way to go to get back again, as they say. Oh, and he did come yeah. close so many times with a car that was not as fast as Red Bull, not as fast as Mercedes. He, I think Sebastian did very well. A lot of people said he was underwhelming, but he again is getting long in the tooth and his reaction times are going down. And I mean, you're, you're looking at tenths of a second reaction time with these guys. Sound, yeah. Sounds like a... Sounds quick, sounds like a lot, but that's what it is, you know. So, I mean, Formula One terms, it's it's a lot. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, a couple of tenths of a second and you forget about you. You know, you're nobody, you know, all of a sudden. Well, it's not that you're nobody. I mean, you know, you have 22 drivers on the track and, you know, some people say, oh, well, that guy's not very good. These are the top 22 drivers in the world. You know, any of them, you put them in that Mercedes, they will win. Uh, even the lowest of the low, <laughs> even the crash champion. <laughs> what was his name? Oh, God, it'll come back to me. He hasn't driven in quite some time. Um, but he was a Japanese driver and he was really, he, he'd drive over you to get by you. Unfortunately, <laughs> he crashed more than he got by. Um, but even him put him in the right car. You know, you, you'd be surprised. These guys are... Or, or, even, or even in the former, or, or even in a Ferguson 20 tractor. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people didn't race Juan Pablo Montoya. They said, oh, he's, he's great. Then he was very underwhelming. But I mean, the guy's a NASCAR champion now, amongst other things. You know, these are these are the top 22 drivers in the world. And they are the most expensive drivers to to get a contract with. You know, you're, you're paying serious money even for the lowest of the low. You're paying millions, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's worth an awful lot. You even have to pay a fee for them to get out of bed. Absolutely, you do. <laughs> well, it's not anyhow. With, with poor old Sergio, I feel sorry for him. I think he's a good driver. But but some people, you know, they know the race is going to be their last race. Like uh, Alec Albon went into the last race of the season, unsure whether he'd be back in 2021 at all. And And personally, I can't see him getting a drive. It's just, it's not going to happen. There isn't room for him really at Alfa Tori. And I mean, you know, Alfa Tori, you're kind of, you're talking about the end of the scale here. Still amazing. I mean, still, you know, to put it into perspective, he's an amazing driver and they're an amazing team. It's just when you're up against even somebody who's a quarter of a second faster, you're nowhere. You know, they're gone. You're nowhere, which is yeah. it's kind of sad, really, in Formula One. It would be nice to see. It's like some races. There was a, a couple of races last year uh, where the lads, a lot of the top drivers got into the same race in the same car. And I can tell you, Hamilton did not win. Not in the least. I think the best he did in any of those races was third, which goes to show you, yeah. no, he's not the best driver out there. You know, when you when you get them all on the level playing field, give them all the same car. Give them all um, an Opel Corsa, <laughs> diesel. Stick them on oh. a track and let's see who does what. <laughs> maybe, maybe he, should, maybe he should be on uh, Top Gear or something. 
Oh, well, now we did well on Top Gear. But again, you see, the thing about Top Gear is you're not racing with anybody. You know, you're, you're on your own. And it's easy to be fast when you're on your own. It's when somebody's up your backside trying to get by you. Well, that's a horse yeah, of a see, different you, you know, you could throw the stick in there now. You know, he'd be fairly handy. Like, you know, oh, you'd, geez, you'd, be up, yeah. you'd be up against him now in your, you know, if you're doing that time trial thing, you know, that they do on the show. So. Well, it does go to show you because no Formula One driver, Stig has never put up a time. Um, but any of them on Top Gear will tell you there's no Formula One driver has come onto that show that can beat the stick. He's still the fastest, which is, well, is uh... impressive when you're up against these guys. But I suppose he does know the track like the back of his hand. He could nearly like that guy that they had on. And uh, did I don't know if you saw that episode or not, but he wrote in a letter to say he could beat Terry Wogan's time, which was abysmal. And um, they said, you're on. And they got him into the car and he bet Terry Wogan's time. The fact the man was blind and had a driver sitting beside him telling them when to turn and how much to turn. When you think about it, that's incredible achievement, isn't it? Well, it's not too bad. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's handy. Like, you know, it's not, it's not too bad. It's, 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 it's amazing he could do it, though. A blind man uh, driving around a track like that at high speed. You know, that's amazing. Amazing stuff. I have to admit. It really is something else, you know. But look. What can you do? You know, there's not very much you can do. But, uh, yeah, poor Alec, Alex Albon. I think he's out. Sergio Perez, I reckon, will definitely get uh, definitely get a test driver status. I can see that happening. Which, again, that pays very well. You wouldn't argue with the money that they're getting with that, I can tell you. You know, was, yeah. uh, look, that's good. Kevin Magnussen is definitely back. At least he's back racing. Yeah. Um, he's got a, a team for next year, which will be good. And um, I think there's a few more people in and out and out and in and in and out. But it looks like Perez and Albon currently, they're really the only two drivers that are not going to be in uh, next year. You know, uh, poor Roman Grosjean misses out in the last race of the year uh, after his huge crash we all remember in Bahrain. Um, uh, and his career is already totally over as Pedro Fittipaldi uh, is coming in. It's nice to see an old name back in Formula 1 again. It, it, does, it, it always makes me question though, you know, you, you see people coming into Formula 1 with an old name like Fittipaldi, like Damon Hill and people like that who have had parents who have or a, a father in this case who has been in Formula 1 and suddenly these guys are coming into Formula 1 too. I, I've often had the opinion that like these guys, if you're thrown into a, a racing cart when you're five, are you actually going to be a damn good Formula One driver or somewhere in Formula One? Because, you know, I, I don't think genes have anything to do with that. You know, I mean, my father was drove a car uh, and I'd say I'd have a heavier right foot than he ever had. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it is it is unusual. Maybe, you know, maybe it's... Uh, it's it's the well, first. You say it's a dose of uh, you know need for uh, I I feel the need for speed. Uh, to a certain extent, it is, um, but it's it's more really knowing what to do and when, more so than anything else. Again, again, as I said, Schumacher, no lights, pitch darkness, drove the Ferrari Formula One car at race speeds in the total dark at night and hit a damn good speed. They reckon he was about a second and a half off the fastest lap time he ever did around that track. In total darkness, just by knowing how the car sounds, how it's supposed to sound, reaction time to turn of uh, when to turn, when to speed up and when to slow down and when to hit the brakes. It's amazing you can get, you know, someone can do that and still 
do amazing times and not crash the car. Because <laughs> I know but if I, I suppose was if, you up... put him, if you if you put him into the twenty four hour race, you know yes. that that race goes on a few times. How would he cope with that? Um, well, most of the drivers are amazing. I mean, you've Martin Brundle, who is a commentator and hasn't been in the car, he has, hasn't been in Formula One in decades, but like 2018, he was in the winning car in Le Mans 24. Uh, well, you, you can't know, argue with that, also, in no, fairness. You can't. And, and, and then you have people like Mika Hakkinen, who retired and then becomes world rally champion and stuff like that. Like, you know, these guys are amazing. I remember the time Schumacher was given um, a go on a superbike. That was interesting because he was actually trying to have a go on a superbike for three years, but the insurance yeah. was just out the door. I mean, I, I think his wrist was insured for millions when he was in a Formula One car. Um, never mind anything else. And eventually, the insurance, which I think was colossal, um, he, he managed to get on a superbike, and he was the second slower on his first ever time on a on a superbike. He got he got ten laps that wouldn't let him have any more than ten laps. And on his 10th yeah. lap, he was a second slower than the lap record on a superbike. You know, these guys... So, was... like, <laughs> how, how much would yourself and Paul Egan be insured for now? I'd say he'd, oh, be, well... he'd be around the same mark. I'd say that he'd be in the millions as well, wouldn't he? Oh, well, now, you see, myself and Paul had to retire early because, you know, just no one had insured us. It was just so much money if we... if we. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think Paul Egan was short for six million for a hangnail. Well, this is it. I think maybe they, I think they maybe they saw that video of the two of you driving home from work one evening on a Friday <laughs> evening, you know. And I think they said, oh, well, we're not sure those lads. Uh, no, that's... Or, 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 or was it that they saw you on an episode of Top Gear? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have worn the helmet. No one really knows who it is. I mean, Michael Schumacher stood in for me that one episode, but the rest of the time, you know, oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't supposed to say that, was I? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but there you go. I, I suppose other other news. Uh, somebody I was very impressed with was it was of course George Russell, um, amazing driver. He stood in for Hamilton that time, and he's a driver you don't hear of. He's, he's a test driver, and he's an up and coming guy. You know, and it's it was yeah. great. I mean, in the Shakar Sh- Shakir. Okay, you pronounce it different. I don't mind. Uh, Grand Prix there when he was his first ever race as a Mercedes driver. He should have won that race. Uh, and the reason he didn't win the race is because there was literally a mistake from McLaren and they put him on the wrong tyres. And it's as simple as that. That man would have won that race. Now, that's a testament to how good George Russell is. But it's also a testament yeah. to how having the fastest car makes a difference because you know someone like George Russell who's never driven that car in proper anger on a proper track should have won that race that that that's incredible you know so you, you could say Hamilton's talent well it kind of puts that into perspective a bit you know it's a lot to do with the car but um, it, also, which... it also goes to show you that um, you know the mechanics that they have the mechanic making the right or wrong decision can be the difference between winning or losing a race as well like oh. it, Real fine uh, margins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, 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 the margins are so tiny, it's unreal. I mean, you know, the, sometimes you've often seen uh, between first and fifth, there might be a couple of tenths of a second in qualifying. And at the end of the race, they're nearly a lap down. You know, it's it, it's just so such a, such a fine little line there. It, it's paper thin. You know, it really is the line between one car and the other. But... I reckon now, after Russell has done that, I reckon Toto Wolf now has something to think about, really, because 
you know, whether you like it or whether you don't like it, Hamilton is really at the end of his career. He's an old man in Formula One. You know, he's a retiree. And, you know, what do you do with that? Do you, do you keep going? And because the, the old, you know, the old tent of a second here and there, it does tend to fall off a cliff. It's not something that happens over a short period of time and you sit there and you go, oh, well, now it's happening. Uh, it's time yeah, to retire. See, he, uh, if he retires, then you could end up having competition then for, uh, you, you know, as, as, a, as a Formula One analyst. Like, you know, there could be oh, well, that's very true. But you know yourself, it's, uh, 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 you know, he, he kind of doesn't want to do anything like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're all right. So every, you're all every right. time someone else wins, he'd be grumpy. <laughs> well, that's, how, that's just the nature of Formula One, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. I am telling you, but but it is. It's it's good to give Toto Wolf something to think of, you know, because you know George did so well. There's going to be other people looking at him, and I mean, if Mercedes don't give him a drive, and and someone we say even AlphaTauri or somebody like that say, well, we'd like to give you a shot. Here's an extra five million. I think he'll think about it. I think he might go out that door very quickly, uh, and that's the danger. With drivers like that, with impressive drivers, you don't give them a race; they're going to go elsewhere. You know, and, and I, I yeah. you can't blame guys for that. You really, you really just, you really just can't blame people for that. Like you know, so I mean, we'll wait and see what happens with that. We will wait and see what happens. And sure, look, that's the way it goes. Um, I suppose the biggest talk really this year is the challenging year for Ferrari. I like the way people say challenging. It was a shite year. <laughs> you could beat that afterwards if you wish. But that was uh, that's basically what it was. It, it wasn't a challenging year. It was dreadful. Um, and I do reckon it's, 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 it's a change of hands as well there as like the team chairman has, has changed. Um, and I know Bonato, uh, who's the team principal, is quite much happier since uh, Sergio Maracone um, came along the way and he is predicting a resurgence because of that because uh, really I, I think the feeling at Ferrari was a bit oppressive and yeah. that doesn't help you you need people who are sitting there knowing that everyone is behind them and everyone's rooting for them and everyone wants you to do your best and if you make a mistake right how are you going to fix that you know that's what you yeah. want behind you and uh, as a manager myself I've always thought of that everybody makes mistakes uh, and that's life uh, you learn from them if you don't learn from them okay now you need to be brought out to crack it on with a firing squad <laughs> but you know you learn from your mistakes you move on you improve uh, uh, and that's really I mean at this sort of fine line you know a, a quick decision to, to change the camber down on the tyre and suddenly the car is dreadful well, you have to hand that to a guy it was the best decision at the time and it was the only way maybe we have to make a stab at making this go faster. Whoops, it's not going faster. Right, let's do the opposite. You know, yeah. you have to let people do that. But I, I think, I think it was uh, no well, one had their back for a while. Happens in Formula One. You know, yeah. if, if you're going to be doing that over four or five races, tweaking the engine and making different adjustments. Yeah, and I, I think mentally over four or five races could actually cost you cost you points on the table like at the end of the season well it could cost you hundreds of millions too as as promoters go well i'm not advertising with you anymore I, i'm not enough on the television so i'm going yeah. somewhere else and, and there's a lot to do with that too i mean you see mick schumacher now he's wearing a lot of the same advertising as his yeah. father did because the advertising companies are going we know what he is we know he's fast we know who's behind him we know who his father is 
were advertising with him. And he walks into a team and that's instant money. That, that's over 100 million he's bringing with them, that, bringing with him. I mean, that's incredible in sponsorship to the company. Of course they want him in. <laughs> and of course, you know? then, in any sport as well, when you're a professional like that, especially when you have so much financial back, and then maybe, I suppose, the fact that Mick Schumacher's father is Michael Schumacher, that brings its own pressure as well. And, you know, if you're not making money for the team, well, you know, you're every driver, every player, every athlete, you know, in yeah. any area of sport, you are actually dispensable because, I mean, if you do something wrong in the morning, we say if you're an athlete or a player, and we say you do something wrong or you, you, say you make, a, you make a, remar- a racist remark or you say something wrong, that yeah. reflects on the club or the team or whatever, or but it also reflects on the sponsors, so. No, it does indeed. The club, or the your even your, you know, if you're running or playing for your country or that, or and even sponsors that actually, if if a sponsor keeps sponsoring them or a team keeps keeps the player on after doing something like that, well, it kind it reflects on the club or it reflects on the sponsors as well, and they they don't want to, um, they don't want to be associated with that because what would happen there is then people would be saying, well, yeah. You're you're still sponsoring them. You're not condoning them, but the fact that you're um that you're still sponsoring them means you're condoning it. Um, so you know sponsors could lose their money or they could lose their reputation on the basis of one player or one driver or one athlete doing something wrong. So if you're not making money for the sponsor or for the club or whatever, or even in this case Formula One, you're you're dispensable and you can be out the door. You could be a hero today and you could be a, you you could be uh, yesterday's news tomorrow, like, you know, that's that's just the nature of sport, isn't it? Well, you know, you're laughing, but you actually hit the nail straight on the head there because yeah. we know the Haas, the American Haas F1 team, a great American company, um, they signed up uh, Nikita Mazepin there recently. And, um, you know, there has been a bit of an issue there because... The man sitting in the back of a car went and touched the girl's leg in a mildly inappropriate way. It has caused an avalanche of backlash altogether on for the Haas team. Um, the video was posted. Stupidly enough, he posted the video on social media. And there has been absolute arguments left, right and centre. Apologies left, right and centre. It's not Hass's fault, but Hass are going to suffer because of this. And of course, you know, the guy has a contract that's practically ironclad. They all do. Um, I reckon Hass team has basically said they were disgusted and it was abhorrent, the video that they had seen. And, you know, they're really not happy with that at all. Now, they have said the matter has been dealt with internally and no further comment will be made at this time. The main reason for that is they're 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 busy talking to their advertisers, the money people, and everything like that, and basically on their knees with their hands closed together. Please, 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 sir, can I have some more? Because that has brought so much condemnation of the team and of him. Um, you know they're under massive pressure at the minute, and they have that incredible contract with him. Um, you know, and it's just it's caused all manner of 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 trouble and turmoil. I think. If they're in Formula One next year, I'll be impressed. Um, yeah. If the Haas team survives this, I think they're going to. 
but I would be very surprised if they do. And I would be very surprised if they're not doing their level best to give him basically send him out the door and close the door behind him and, and hit him in the backside as he leaves. Um, it, it, it's caused yeah. all sorts of hassle altogether. It's just, it's, it, it, it's unbelievable, you know, uh, and it's such a small thing, I suppose, to a certain extent, but it shouldn't have happened. And he shouldn't have been stupid enough to put it up on social media. But whether he put it up on social media or not, that's irrelevant. It shouldn't have happened. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. Now, I know he's very mea culpa, mea culpa at the moment. But, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's easy to apologize for these things afterwards when you realize your career's on the line, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but you see, the thing is for him, and, you you know, you see it with players and this, that, and other, like, if you if the normal everyday person does it, there's nothing really. It does it doesn't make headlines. Yes. But when you're a professional, when you're a professional sports person like a uh, Formula One driver, a NASCAR driver, or a, a football a, a player for a big football a big soccer club or anything like that, if you do even the slightest thing wrong, it's on YouTube. It's oh all yes. Social media. It's yes, in it the paper. It's on the radio. It's on the TV, and you will be—you'll be nailed to the crossover. Oh, you will you'll, indeed. You'll be hung, drawn, and quartered by by the by a jury by, by um, you know, by the jury, not by the jury, but by the, by social media or by the media in general. Like so, I mean, in fairness, these people know that they can't do much wrong, but so. They, they, they know they should know in their own mind that gee, I have to be careful or I can't do this. So, I mean, oh, well, it, you know, it, you've it, seen Cavani. I mean, it's something like you know you seen Cavani there the other day, the Man United, um, the Man United player uh, recently signed for United. Oh yeah, about a, a couple of months ago or whatever, he was supposed to have said he was supposed to have made a um, a racist remark. Now. He actually got off quite lightly, lightly enough. He got a three-match ban, you know. <laughs> but if that was in, if that was in another sense, he would, he would have been, he would have been brought to court, like you know. Well, but maybe, maybe they, maybe they're, uh, maybe the club are it another way, or maybe they're punishing him, maybe they're fining him, or, or whatever. But uh, you know, I mean, in today's society, you can't be doing things like that. In today, you know, as, as a professional sportsman. He's actually um, a role model for kids and, you know, for everyone and people look up to him because, you know, he is a world-class player. So you kind of, you don't expect someone in that, but I suppose it happens. It happens from time to time in sport, but it doesn't mean just because it happens from time to time, it doesn't mean it's right. And I, I mean, it, it does reflect on, it reflects on the sport, it reflects on the club and, everything associated with the player now some people might say that that's overboard but that that's just the way it is it is and, and, and unfortunately uh, the way the system is gone it, people are very quick to judge i mean even you know yourself it, you've often sent a text message to somebody and 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 suddenly they're offended Yet, if you spoke to him in person and said it, they wouldn't be offended because, you know, body language and things are missing. And especially with social media, it's like that, too. You know, uh, somebody says something. Well, you don't know if they smiled. You don't know if they went, oh, that's disgusting. Or someone else said it and that's disgusting. It's blown out of proportion. You said it. And that's it. I mean, you only have to look at somebody like Michael Barrymore. He was on television there over Christmas, uh, very minorly. But, I mean, you know, somebody died at a party in his swimming pool. 
it has been proved that that was a pure accident. Nothing was done wrong whatsoever. Pure accident. But the fact that happened, his career is permanently destroyed. You know, and it's it, it's just the way it is. It is a pure accident. Whereas if it happened in a normal situation, everyone would be horrified. But once you said, look, it's an accident. It's, it's one of those things. It's your man's fault. Uh, it's nobody else's fault. No one did anything wrong. Everyone would be, you know, oh, that's terrible. You know, that's and, and literally, you know, most people would be decent enough about it. But, you know, in his case, you know, this, this guy was 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 a big star in his day, you know, talking about yeah. his hotspots and things like that. And his career is totally and utterly destroyed instantly, you know, and it's not yeah. his fault. And it wasn't anyone's fault to this party pure accident and and i think social media has in a lot of cases made that worse because you know it's it, it is like everything when you're talking to someone you can see how their hands are moving you pick up how they're looking at you you pick up their body movements you don't think you are but you actually do and, and something which you'd be laughing at and kind of patting them on the back and saying yeah that's right mate suddenly you know someone condemns something says this is wrong but then a newspaper picks it up and said they said this and doesn't put in that this is wrong at the end of it and because you can't see it because you don't know exactly what's happened it's blown totally out of proportion it, it is one of the things i have to admit i've always been a person who's been envious of the future um from all the things that you can do but it, it's one thing I, I i'm not envious of at all and i mean it goes for everybody you know uh, back in our day, you made a mistake and everyone laughed and you got on with your life. These days, you make a mistake and someone videotapes it and puts it up on social media and it never leaves you for the rest of your life. And it's the same with these guys. It's worse. But, you know, in this situation, I mean, you know, he's not he's not stupid. They've been brought up from a very early age. They, they become adults very, very, very young, as do actors. Um, when they're very young, they become adults very quickly. They're trained, they're spoken to, they have PR companies. He should have known better than that, really. He should have had to cop on. But also, they're a lot better than that. that once you're known, they take advantage of you. Yeah, well, that's very true. I mean, he's going to take him, if he does get into Formula One, uh, I, uh, he may. Um, uh, the contract may make him get into Formula One. And the first day he sits in a car in Formula One with that camera on him, from that day forward, he's going to be have he's going to have to work on his reputation and his profile to make people think, "Oh, look, it was an innocent incident; it was a mistake. Let's move forwards with that." And that, that's going to be his goal now for years. <laughs> you know, well, absolute it. years. It an apology doesn't cut it. Well, an apology don't cut it. But but on a more positive uh, uh, note, or or maybe as a sidebar. Uh, Mick Schumacher is, as we know, Formula Two World Champion. No surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't see what he's going. I can't see. I can't wait to see what he's going to do in 2021. He's not going to go out there now and, and blitz every race and win every race. That's that's an unreasonable. <laughs> that's totally unreasonable. You know, it's it, it's a learning yeah. curve. Those cars are so complicated. If, if you've ever even seen the amount of dials on the steering wheel, oh my god, um, it, it would take me about ten years just to remember what each one is for. Um, and, and these things, you know, these and things. That, like, and that's just on the PlayStation. And that's just on the PlayStation. <laughs> but these things are just incredibly complicated. He's not going to sit in a Formula One car and be win his first race. That that never happens. Not unless everybody else uh, um, slips off the track and can't drive anymore. Um, yeah. It's going to take him a couple of years. It is going to take him a couple of years to get 
anywhere. Um, if he does it before a couple of years, I'll be massively impressed. Um, but it, it's going to take time. So people shouldn't expect too much. He's Mick Schumacher. Everyone's going to expect an awful lot from him. Uh, give him a bit of time. You know, give him, uh, sit back and go, look, he's in now. He's a rookie. He's a new fella. You know yourself. Whatever occupation you've ever worked in, um, when a new guy comes in from school who knows nothing, <laughs> you're going to put him sitting in the corner for at least a couple of months yeah. <laughs> before you trust him doing anything. And that's probably just the photocopying. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's, just, it's as simple as that. Yeah, it's a learning curve and it's, it's massively different from Formula 2 to Formula 1. Sounds like you're just a little stepping stone. No, these things are... It's like it's like racing around in a, a, a Suzuki Liana and then suddenly being put into a Ferrari. There's a massive difference, huge. So you know, yeah. uh, it's great to see him. I'm delighted. I hope he can do a lot, and um, uh, and let's hope he can. Let's hope he's as good as we think he is. Um, with a bit of luck, uh, something I would like to do actually, uh, and it's a personal thing, and I'm sure a lot of other people would do. I, I'd like to pay my respects to all those people out there who really put their own health at risk and perhaps even some of them their lives at risk to pull it yeah. off this year. You know, I mean, it's an incredible thing. Should it have gone forward? Shouldn't it? Well, who knows? But look, these people were there. You have people who are on the, uh, the guys on the side of the track. You know, they're in there helping. They don't get paid for that. They're volunteers. Uh, and I mean, you know, you've yeah. gone through... Yeah, you've gone through 17 races, 12 different countries. You know what I mean? And, and it's been incredible. Uh, the, the, the hits of COVID have been so little. Oh, okay, these guys have, when you talk about a bubble, you mean a bubble. <laughs> it's like some yeah, exactly. the prisoner TV series. Like, you know what I mean? We're all in this bubble. Perfect. That's it, lads. Everyone go away. And, uh, and that's just how it is. And, and it's amazing to put their, you know, their livelihoods, their health, maybe even their lives on the line you just don't know what an, if someone's got something underlying and and from from the guys who who sweep the track right up to the guys who are the pinnacle of the pinnacle fair play to you all fair play to you for being there I, i'd like to say i appreciated it yeah and of course fair play to you for uh going through the minefield that is former one comment analysis with uh Ross FM in 2020 and going into 2021. No. <laughs> Happy 32nd of December. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Twenty. Well, you yeah. you just remember the year. The year is 2021. <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 I heard the bang outside the house this morning, and I thought, "What hour look now is probably Godzilla." Well, well, you never know. Anything can happen in Wexford. Absolutely, anything can happen down here, you know. So that's the last way it goes. When is the next race coming up? Or what's the story with the the rest of the season? Or what's. uh... Oh, for the first time now, you've caught me napping. I haven't even looked. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't even looked at the schedule for next year. Oh my god! No problem. Uh, <laughs> still celebrating New Year's, you think? So well, that's, that's very that's very true. But um, I I was thinking um uh, while while we're on here and things like that um maybe next week uh, maybe we should uh, have a quick very fast rundown of 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 kind of little bits and pieces and and and, and who did what in the races and yeah. very briefly because 17 races you know yourself uh, i could talk to you for 5 hours <laughs> and that's just fair track 
But, um, you know, just a brief little sort of three or four sentences on, on, on what happened in each race and we'll just run over it. And she sure, looked the news in Formula One always has to be there because there's always something going on. <laughs> well, this is it. And of course, maybe in the same, in the same uh, interview, then we can also cover predictions for, for next season as well or for, for, well, for this year now. Uh, and I can actually get online and find out when the first race is. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> to be fair, very, rare, very rarely you're caught out now. Usually you're on the ball, to be fair. Oh, I know, but now I'm going to be all over social media now. You know, he doesn't know when the races are on. What's he doing? You know yourself, I'll, I'll be apologising for this for 10 years now at this stage. Uh, well, you, you don't have to apologise to me, like, but uh, it's, it's, our, uh, it's our listeners, you know. You're, you're really letting, you're letting the side down. No, I, I, I've done terrible things now altogether, I suppose. You know, this, in the history of Ross FM, that is the worst thing that's ever happened. Oh well, sure. If that's the only wor- if that's the worst thing, then you're not doing too bad. <laughs> but I suppose you know what we'll go on to this week now. Uh, I suppose it's this week's uh, car of the week. Now, funny enough, I even though things have been locked down and it's been Christmas and everything like that, there is a car of the week because just like Formula One, the car industry, the automotive industry, it never sleeps, ever, ever sleeps. And my car, the way the car I, I gave a look at there before Christmas, um, because my my I, I drive a, an Opel myself, and as we know, uh, Opels, Peugeot, and Citroen are all the same car, um, they're all French, and uh, they're all owned by Peugeot. And our local Opel garage just happens to sell Citroen, and they love me down there. I send a bit of business their way regularly, so. They said, why don't you come down and have a look at the new Citroen EC4? And I did. I had a lovely little sit in that, I can tell you, and uh, went for a, a, a wee journey in it as well. It comes with a 50 kilowatt battery. That uh-huh. is big, I can tell you. And it does. It has 134 brake horsepower. So if I was you and you got your low down little boy racer car, I wouldn't do a drag race with this thing because right. it is going to leave you. It's going to be. It, it is going to be pretty, pretty fast, as I say. You know, um, strictly speaking, now the usable amount of charge on that battery hold is it, it, like it's a 50 kilowatt battery. It's not going to it's going to be 45 kilowatts. It's a bit like the computer industry and their hard drives. Yeah. A, a one terabyte drive doesn't have one terabyte, but uh, but we won't go there. But it, it does make it a quite a bit smaller than maybe some of its other people like uh, the Volkswagen ID3. Uh, that's a 58 kilowatt battery in that guy yeah. um, so I mean you know there we go the range again the range does worry me with these cars because again nobody seems to be doing much bar maybe you know Tesla Tesla have fantastic range on their car um, the new Jaguar I-Pace what a car and it does some amount of distance on it this one will officially do 211 miles now as we know you know, salesmen and, and companies do actually, you know, stretch it quite a lot and, and, and they will say mass. But in this case, I think from what I can see and, and, and from what I, I found out online, uh, the range is actually more like 139 kilometers, which isn't bad. Uh, I mean, you're putting it up there about the same as a Kia Nitro or things like that and, and the Volkswagen uh, ID3, which is is very very good uh, these days 139 miles i uh, can't do the kilometers of that in my head very quickly but i wouldn't say it'd be far off 200 um around there but i mean that that's that's not bad for a car of its type really it, it yeah. is very comfortable now the thing about citroen is they they do make their cars quite soft 
which is grace. I mean, it's 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 grace. It goes relatively well over minor imperfections in the road. I have to admit, because French people do like to stop yeah. to ride in their car, and I mean, the Peugeot and the Citroen are done that way. The Opel isn't funny enough, but I think they're kind of selling to a different uh, a yeah. different crowd there. If you get me. But um, in this case, it is quite good. It does. It is quite well cushioned, and even over bigger ruts and speed bumps, I yeah. I found it quite comfortable compared to other cars. It, it's a lot less jarring than we say the Volkswagen ID three when you're going over something, which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. I do prefer a car, probably that's a little bit harder and a little bit better because I don't yeah. like slowing down. And funny enough, that way, like I go from Wexford to Gorey. And I'd have the car on cruise control on 80 the whole way. Well, bar the two, bar Ballycanoe yeah. and Bally Edmund, which are towns, you slow down. There's a reason why the speed limit slows down. You slow down. But I, I like a car that can go on cruise control and you don't have to slow, you don't have to touch the brakes. That's on it. It's so funny you should you. say that about um, the, the Volkswagen ID3 because, um, you know, another man that I interviewed, another good friend of mine, Peter Bracken, he played uh, rugby for Ireland and Wasps and, Connacht and Munster, and uh, he's do- he's doing this kind of where he test drives cars for a local. You know, he gets yeah. That that's what he does. He he does videos of himself driving the car, and you know all the different aspects of the car, what the car is like to drive. Uh, you know, kilometers per hour. You know, fuel efficiency, all that. And he, he actually there was a video of him. Yes. You know, at different stages doing a long drive. Um, in the in the Volkswagen ID and all that, and I was talking to him, you know, uh, over the phone one day on the phone one day, and he was actually saying there was a lot. He found it very comfortable to drive, and he was actually saying there's a lot of myths yeah. saying, oh well, you know, in these electric cars, you can't, you know, that only you'll get you won't get much mileage out of them before you have to charge them again. But he actually found. This particular car to be to be very good mileage wise, you know, uh, as regards, you know, how long you can go constantly before you have to charge it again. So it goes to show you from from car to car, but it, I suppose it depends on how you're driving it too, and you know, how many miles in a day and different things, oh, well, and how you look after the car as well. No, it does indeed. I, I, I'm very much a heavy right foot person. That's why I have to have cruise control on the car i i remember and uh, you know you remember it is funny but of course you know you look back on it and it's not as funny but i i remember i had a a new volkswagen bora one time and it was company car it was the biggest car i'd ever driven i had fiat puntos before that which were amazing and um i remember coming in from kill and guards behind me suddenly the lights oh, went no, up aren't you went, oh, aren't no. you okay now you got an, uh, you're that important you got you ended up getting a guard escort <laughs> I am telling you I did you know I'm telling you I did and the guard was lovely actually he came up with the kind of cross face on him you know and he, he came down and I first thing I did is I put down the window I said guard it's I've got this car a day I said I'm going too fast it's the biggest thing I ever drive I said but that's no excuse I was speeding you were right to stop me and the first thing he did is he lightened up straight away and he said well fair play to you I thought it was the right thing to say. I just, he was right to pull me over. So he went off and he came back anyhow. And he said, uh, right, okay. He said, I'm sorry. He said, you're, you've said, you've stated it yourself. He said, you know what you've done. He said, I, I, I'd like to ask you, what speed limit do you think um, this road is? I said, it's 50. And he said, you're absolutely right. He said, it's absolutely stupid. He said, you have five lanes of traffic. 
all of them going into Dublin. He said, not too heavy today and you have to do 50. He said, it's absolutely ridiculous. But look, I don't make the speed limit. And he said, oh, I said, oh, well, that's, that's very good of you, you know. And he said, now, what speed do you think you were doing? And I said, 60. And he said, guess again. And the other half was sitting beside me. She said, 65. And he said, well, I'll put it like this. He said, we were doing 75. <laughs> and he left us for dead. <laughs> now, a decent... A decent man that he was, he turned around to me and he said, and to be honest with you, he said, I should have been at the speed limit too. He said, so it's my fault as well. He said, so because it was my fault and because you admitted it, and he said, and you were a decent person about it, he said, don't do it again, but we chalk it up to experience. Go ahead, sir. And I said, oh, well, uh, what about a fine? He said, you've done a decent thing. You've done the right thing. He said, you learn from this. He said, you go ahead. I thought that was very decent. But, you know, yourself, it's it's like everything. It, it's very, it's very, uh, cruise control to me is, is exceptionally important because even uh, as my wife says, I do tend to accelerate quite heavy. And um, because I am, I'm always in, of the belief that, you know, if you pull out in front of someone, well, that person, you know, you may not be in a hurry, but that person is. So I think, you know, you should promptly, maybe, you know, you don't have to put the foot down and burn rubber, but you should promptly get up to the speed limit. So, you know, you're not interfering with that person's day. They, they could be in a hurry. They could be getting home to a sick child or anything like that. You just don't know. Um, so cruise control, <laughs> I have to admit, is, is, is so well, important to me. It. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so tell us more about the, the car anyway and uh, like its efficiency and all that. And what's the top speed? Really? Well, it is it is a very good car. I didn't manage to get it up to its top speed, and it is a brand new car, so there's there's not a whole lot of information out on it yet. I'm, I'm sitting down trying to figure out what they're going to come out with. I found it quite quick. I mean, it's 134 horsepower. You're not going to be sitting behind people yeah. if you need to overtake someone. Uh, that's another thing I always believe in. You know, it's if you're going to overtake someone, you do it as fast and as efficiently as possible. You don't want to be sitting beside them for an extra 30 seconds. It's dangerous. Um, but it is, despite the fact that the, the, the specifications are a bit low on the ground at the minute, I I would say you'll easily get 200 kilometers out of that car. I'd say you'll probably get about 220. Okay, the aforementioned ID3, I reckon you're going to get over 300 out of that. It's a great little machine. The only problem with it really with Volkswagen is it's, it is, it's, not, it's not cheap. Uh, it's quite pricey even for electric car terms. And let's face it, electric cars aren't cheap. And it's very small. Uh, the second you start going up in size, really, these engines are just worthless, yeah. really, once you get a bigger car. But it's a fantastic little machine. But would I put the C3 over the, 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 the ID3? Oh, I yeah. think it's a great little machine. I'd be very fond of it now, to be quite honest with you. And it is unusual. It's not an SUV. But it's higher than the Nissan Leaf. I suppose it depends on what the driver is looking from the car. Like, I mean, you'd have one car that you'd have one driver oh, yeah. that might go for the car that we're reviewing now, and then there's another person that might. Well, they're not looking for that, but they're looking for something else, and they'd find that in the Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe it's you and me well, getting older, but <laughs> I actually found the C3, even though it's not an SUV, it's it's still not a low driving position. I mean, it's higher than the Leaf. And the Volkswagen ID3, the, the, the Citroen is higher. Um, it, it's not a huge amount, but it is higher, you know. It, it does have, I have to admit, I did find the windscreen pillars were a bit thick. Um, and, you know, I with most things these days, I'd advise parking sensors, the way people park and the amount of cars on the road. 
Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's bigger. It's, it's getting worse every year. And, and you know yourself, some people just seem to want to take up three parking yeah. spaces. Um, but I, I think the pillars were a little bit off-putting to me, I have to admit. Um, but, you know, it does have a kind of a, a swooping coupe-like roof. And that's never a good thing for visibility. You know, it looks good. But, you know, for visibility when you're driving it new, it's, 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 it's not a great thing. I, I, I have to admit, the view out the rear view window, I, I thought, it's not bad. But, you know, as coupes, you do feel a bit yeah. like you're trapped inside of a post box. <laughs> you know, um, it's not marvelous. You're using your mirrors like hell, you know. I, I have one of those on my car. I have one of those overtaking lights. So if a car is overtaking you in your blind spot, you get a little red light on the um, on the mirror. So when you look in the mirror, you see the red light. And right. if you can't see him, you know he's there, um, which is a good thing. I, I think that's great safety thing. It's, it's, it's another innovation from Volvo um, and it's filtering down to other manufacturers. Uh, I do think you need that in cars and especially coupes. Uh, it's just one of those things, the visibility. Is just not good, uh, and, and it is that, that's it also a health and safety. Uh, those thing pillars are quite well, big in the front. It's not good if visibility isn't good or whatever. You know. Well, it's 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 not dreadful. I'll yeah. put it like that to you. I've seen worse. I have seen a, a ferocious lot worse. I I've had the privilege of driving three different Ferraris, and I can tell you, looking at the back window, it's it's yeah. for, it's it's a total ornament. <laughs> You can't see anything at all. You know, you just can't because, you know, the engines are so big, they're in the back of the car, you can't see past them. Um, so, I mean, it's not the worst yeah. car I've driven by a long shot. It's not the best either for visibility either. You you, you really, well, you, you should be awake driving anyway and you should be very aware of what's around you at all times. But um, I'd say your main problem with that car is going to be parking. So I would say sensors. Now, I have heard sensors might be coming as standard. Uh, which I think all cars should come with sensors as standard. But if you, you know, when you get the car new, you're not quite sure of us. And I'd rather have sensors than uh, a, a fender bender trying to park yeah. uh, in Roscommon personally, um, you know. But, of course, they do drain the battery. So anything electrical you put in a car is going to drain the battery and it is going to take it down a notch and you're going to get less mileage. That's why these cars run further in the summer than to do in the winter. It's not to do with the heat. Well, it is to do with the heat. You're not turning on your heater. Okay, maybe you're turning on your AC. Maybe you're turning on your cold air. But but you're intend to use it less. But you want your car to run further. You turn that off. You turn off your radio. You turn off anything yeah. that's not necessary, as to say. So, I mean, your parking sensors, they are going to have... It'll be minute. Yeah, you, you, you'll, be, you'll still be surprised uh, how much of an effect it has. One thing I did really like about the Citroen, actually, is one of the best interiors I've ever found because I find a lot of cars are very boring. We had a Qashqai um, a long time ago. I was never a fan. I, I'm not I'm not a Japanese car fan. But I, I have to admit, the inside of the car was a great cure for insomnia. Uh, <laughs> this no one, at least, has a, has a nice... <laughs> oh, no air conditioning. <laughs> great cure for it and i think my wife had an x-trail as well before that and that was the same you know if you if you couldn't go to sleep go out and sit in the car you'll be asleep in <laughs> seconds and, <laughs> but the the, the the citron i have to admit it was it felt very good quality and uh, there was a beautiful little kind of pleasing on the eye kind of mix of materials in there too i thought it was very nice it's way squishier than the leaf but nissans yeah. do tend to be boring um i like it in good interior because i always say um that the interior of the car is what you see most of the time. Uh, and you want something that you're Apart sitting in and you're going, Jesus, this is nice. You know? 
compared from the road, of course, which you should be looking at. But, yeah. <laughs> but it is good. But it is probably yeah. the best interior I've seen in an electric car yet. Okay, okay. I'd hand it to Jaguar. Theirs is amazing. But, like, not everyone can afford the lofty prices of an iPace. They we're are just, you know, they're off the Richter scale, really. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not all, all, not all on the Ross <laughs> FM wages. It has to be said, you know. <laughs> yeah. But these are probably, I, I'd say the Citroen is one of the, at the cheaper end of the electric cars. Um, like the Fiat 500 and the, uh, and the Mazda MX-30, which are very nice cars, too, uh, and are all three of those are very competitively priced against yeah. better cars and they are they have good ranges in them you know what i mean uh, other than the, the volkswagen id3 which for his size is definitely the class leader um but which would i go for uh, you've still got the issue of resale values of electric cars which are dreadful they're absolutely terrible um if you buy an electric car you are really going to drive it till the wheels fall off i i've a mate now has a a six-year-old leaf and he's getting about 60% of the distance he used to get. And, you know, he's been insulted with trade-in prices. So he said, literally, it's going to, eventually it's going to make Wexford and back and that's it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, but he can't get he can't afford to get rid of it. It's just it's it's too too small a money really. But I, I think the C three now to me, yeah, it's a cushy ride and it's got a really 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 good interior. Uh, another thing I have to admit at speed and I did the motorway is not fast from us not far from us now, so I did give it a shot. By far the quietest car I've ever been in on a motorway. Oh, absolutely beautiful levels. You, you could have a conversation with someone practically whispering. It, it's that quiet. Absolutely brilliant, I have to admit. Very impressed with it. But but at the same time, it, it, it's not as roomy as some, maybe. And the handling, if you're used to a car handling well, um, like an Alfa Romeo driver yeah. is going to despise it <laughs> because of that. But I mean, your average everyday car you know yourself, you, you don't, you're not driving around the track. You're, you're not doing anything like that. A cushy ride is not a thing to be sneezed at. I, I definitely think it's one of the best electric cars I've ever driven. And I'd hand on heart say if I was buying a car of that size and you're up against the Leaf and you're up against the Toyota and you're up against the ID3, um, the Hyundai Kona is another one at it. I buy the Citroen. I think it's absolutely incredible. I think if you test drive them all um, and don't know what you're driving, I think you're going to pump for that Citroen. It's a beautiful little machine. And, you know, it's, it's, little, it's little sort of, it's tiny bit small. When I say small, I'm, I mean, you know, you are splitting hairs. It is just a tiny bit small. And I think the cushy ride is maybe, maybe, maybe good, maybe bad. Um, I liked it. Uh, and I do like my cars handling well, but I did like it. I think all in all, it's definitely the best electric car I've yeah, driven. Well, that, I highly recommend it. it. And, uh, so listen, thanks very much for doing this week's uh, sport, sport, sorry, um, Formula One, uh, Formula One, uh, Formula One with me is right. You. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week and we'll, uh, we'll look on <laughs> to the, the season ahead and uh, see if we can discuss the first race of the Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Whenever that whenever that. And we we look we look back at at the mess that twenty twenty was. So, okay, listen, happy happy New Year to yourself and your family and friends, and we look forward to talking. And the same to yourself, and indeed the Ross FM listeners, listen, twenty twenty one is going to be better, guys. Yeah, Let's all mark, have a brilliant mark time. his words. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll say my words yeah, are, are good yeah. around March. <laughs> no problem. Thanks very much. Take care uh, of yourself, Michael O'Grady, our Formula One analyst.